Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Hey, everybody, good morning. Oh, yeah, center point. Man, y'all are so, I didn't even do anything yet, and you're like, yeah, he's the best. Well, nobody said that, but you clapped. Uh, man, thanks for being here in the house with us, uh, or online. I'm really glad we're finishing this series, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Uh, and, and this is the thing I'd say I know about you, even if I don't know you, which I know is always dangerous when you assume things, you know, makes a, in the, you know. Um, but here's what I'd say. I really, I think this is true for all of us. Is, like, nobody woke up this morning thinking, man, I hope I make more regrets today. Right? Like, no one is, like, going to work tomorrow and be like, I just hope this week is the week that I regret for years to come. Right? Even if you don't like your job, you're like, you know, I probably, I don't want to, like, regret the people I work with, the place I'm at, like school, if you're in school, like you don't want to have a week where you're just like, I just hope like this is the week I look back to for years to come and like, yeah, I totally sabotaged that relationship. I melted down about that thing. I was frustrated about that. I've ruined the whatever the thing. Like we don't wake up wanting to have more regrets, but the reality is through our lives, if we're not careful, uh, we're going to ask insufficient questions and we're going to continue making decisions that are going to lead us to have more regrets. And that's why through this whole series, we've been talking about how we need to ask better, or better questions. And when you ask better questions, it will really help you make better decisions. And if you make better decisions, then it should lead to fewer regrets. It's what we all want. But the, the thing is that we don't always ask those good questions, right? Like we ask some questions. Sometimes we don't ask any questions and we're in real big trouble when that happens. But like we ask some questions, but I think they're insufficient, even if they're like kind of good. Because the difference of you having regrets is not always the good or the bad, it's the good or the best. All right, so like a good question to ask for a lot of us, and we ask this on a pretty regular basis, even out loud sometimes, most of the time we just think it is, like, will this make me happy now? Like, in this moment, like, will this thing make me happy, right? Like, because all of us, we want to be happy, there's nothing wrong with happiness, but, but focus on, will this make me happy now? Like, we ask that question, but I think it's insufficient because our current situation, our senses, our desires can deceive us and, and can really lead us to things that we'll regret later, right? Like if we sat down and we talked and I said, have you ever had something that like made you happy at one point and later you were miserable because of the thing that made you happy? A lot of us would say, yeah. So the better question to ask is, will this make me happy later? Not just, not just right now, but, but later, like a week from now, two weeks from now, a couple of years from now, will this make me happy later? And it's big things, it's small things. I, I saw this in my life a couple of weeks ago. I went out with some of my friends and we're just like, a couple of us dudes, I'm like, hey, guys, I just want to chill night, hanging out. And like, someone's like, you know, like, this dude, there's no chill with him at all, right? Like, isn't it crazy? So uh, legitimately, I told my wife, I said, Rachel, I don't know when I'll be home tonight. Like, now, we all love Jesus. We all love our wives. So, like, we're not getting too crazy. But I was like, I just, I don't know, because these are my friends. We're going to go hang out. And then we had a great time. We were eating, and we are drinking, we are hanging out and everything. Um, and then we woke up the next day. Y'all ever have a food hangover? I mean, like a legitimate food hangover. Some of you are like, is food like a euphemism for something? Like, like I'm uncomfortable with the church or pastor drinks. Like, well, we've been comfortable with church, never mind. But all right, so um, I have a thing I'd love to say, but I don't want to say. But uh, so here's, here's the thing, though. I wake up the next day, and the issue is I was eating like I was in my 20s. 
right? And nothing will make you feel like father time has caught up to you faster than when you wake up on the other side of a bad decision of eating food, not drinking. Like, everyone gets hungover, right? You eat too much, and you're like, oh, man, that was not a good decision. And and legitimately, the whole next day, I was like, my stomach hurts. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just an idiot. Like, I thought it was, and it just, it didn't work out. If you're in your 20s, enjoy it while you can. Don't regret it. I mean, don't do things you're going to regret. But the reality is, like, in those moments, as they're hanging out with their friends, we're like, sure, we'll have another one. Sure, another mac and cheese bite. Like, yeah, baptize that thing in that chipotle aioli and eat it. Like, (laughs) oh, this is so, it's so good in the moment. And did it make me happy now? Yeah. But if I would have thought and paused and said, Justin, is this going to make you happy later? Further, I said, of course it will. Then I would have thought, no. Like, again, like, like, you got to go through life, and you're going to see things. And for so many of us, we think about momentary happiness. And when we chase after that, we may get it, but we also may get from some regret. So kind of put these two questions together to make you think about how to weigh this out a little bit better. Is, is thinking and asking the question, will this make me happier or happiest? Like, will this make me happier or happiest? Because so many of us, we're constantly trying and, and chasing after being happier, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you even have a, a situation like, like similar, like my food hangover, right? And that's a small thing in the, the grand scheme of things. Like for you, like maybe it was a really big thing. You focus on being happy now and like, oh, that, I'm happier, but I'm not happiest. And we chase after this and we, and we try to find it. And again, like, will it make you happier? And there's so many, the thing that's crazy to me is so many things are almost the opposite of what makes you happiest or what makes you happier, Okay, like, like if you went to work tomorrow and your boss put you and said, hey, I need to double your salary, right? Like, is that going to make you happier? Like, yes. Like, you're so worried about money stuff at church. Like, is it? Is this your question? Money's bad, isn't it? No, no, no. It's not that money's bad. It's when you put your whole life into acquiring money. That's when things get twisted, right? You overprioritize that. But if we gave you a bunch more money, if your boss gave you double your salary, you would be happier, you're going to have more opportunities to do things. You're able to buy things. You're able to do things that you may not be able to do with vacations or family or whatever. But the reality is the people that I see that are the happiest are not the people who make the most money. It's the people who give away their money. Right? Or even maybe you're like, man, like, will having a new, more reliable car make you happier? Even if you're like, my car is fine, but I just want to upgrade. Like, will that make you happier? Yes. But in 60 or 72 months when you're still paying that thing off, are you going to be happiest? I can tell from, like, nervous laughter, you're like, yeah, that was a badge call, right? <laughs> Again, like, but the, but the thing is, we chase happier, thinking if I just get more happier, I will be the happiest, but that's not always the case. Now, contrary to the popular uh, belief about Jesus, Jesus cares a lot about your happiness. Like, 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 he cares so much about your happiness that he actually wants you to be the happiest, not just happier. See, sometimes we have a view of Jesus where he's like, no fun, and it's all bum, and we're not, it's like boring, and don't do anything. And the reality is Jesus is saying, no, I want to show you how life will work the very best. But the things that you're trying to do sometimes are not going to lead you to that. And Jesus had one of his, his most famous teachings. It's called uh, Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew records this teaching. It's like his biggest recorded teaching, and he begins the whole first part of it by saying, blessed are those, and you'll be blessed, and blessed are these people, and blessed, blessed, blessed. Like, Blessing the mess out of the thing, right? Now, if you translate, you could translate that word blessed for happy or joyful. So Jesus literally is teaching people, if you want to be 
happiest, if you want to be happy, if you want to be joyful in life, do these things. And one of the teachings that Jesus taught in this, this section is about giving your life away. And he said, if you want to be blessed, the blessed people, the happiest people you encounter are not the people who are just focused on gaining and doing things that they want to do all the time, but the people who are giving their lives away. The people who are giving up their rights, their responsibilities for other people to be able to serve and love other people. And I know uh, if you're coming in here, you're probably like, of course you're going to say that. You're a pastor. This is a church. You're going to tell us we got to do stuff for other people, right? Like just do under others as they would have to do unto you, the golden rule. Everyone knows that. The reality is, is yes, I'm a pastor, and yes, this is a church, and yes, Jesus said that, but also even outside of Christianity, outside of religion, like psychology backs this idea up. There's been so many studies over the years trying to associate what is, will make you the happiest, because again, all of us are on a happiness quest. Like you want to be happier, you want to be the happiest. So psychologists and, and scientists have been researching this and looking into this and trying to understand like what will make people really happy. And two studies I was reading, I was reading several, but, but two of them, which I thought just stood out, is, is there's University of Chicago that did this study, and, and they were asking people for what is the most fulfilling and satisfying careers? Like, what could you do that you will be the most fulfilled at the end of your shift, at the end of your work week? You're like, man, I did a thing. Surprisingly, it wasn't the people who made the most money. It wasn't the CEOs and the hedge fund whoever's. Like, it was actually the people who said their jobs revolved around serving people, teaching people, caring for people, protecting people. Right? These are the kind of jobs that we look at them and you're like, I don't know how much you could pay me to do that job. Right, like kindergarten teachers. Think about it, we got our kids in the school and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what you make, but it's probably not enough. Right? This is like the first responders, firefighters, ambulance people, police officers, like, like, the, like, like medical professionals. These are people who are like, man, like you just do it. Why do you do it? Because it's not about the money. I mean, sure, would more money make them happier? Yeah. But they're already saying, even where I'm at, like, I am having great satisfaction and great return on my time just because it's about loving other people and giving my life up for other people. And there's a, a study done in the United Kingdom where they were trying to link, again, happiness and actions and volunteering. What does the impact of volunteering have on people and their overall well-being? And as they're going through this, they saw that depression, heart disease, stress, and drug use, like all these big things, like you want to stay away from those things, right? Like all of those things significantly decrease when people started volunteering. They even one study said, they went as far to say, if you have a, a high school student or a middle school student, you should force them to volunteer because it's that good for them. Even if they don't want to. And some of you are like, you don't know my student. Like, I totally get it. But what they're saying is, it is so beneficial, you should force people to do this because it will help them in a great way. I want to tell you, my, my whole goal this morning as we, as we talk, as we finish this series and, and trying to help you make better decisions, trying to help all of us, myself included, what, what are some better decisions we can make that will lead to fewer regrets? The decision I want to really put before you and really push you to do is to decide to give your life up and serve other people. Now, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether center point is your church and you're like, these are my people, or you're like, I'm just kind of hanging out, I came with them, or I'm visiting, whatever, and like, like, to give your life up. If you're not a Jewish follower, I'd say it's still good for you. Again, like you go to University of Chicago, go to United Kingdom, like it's still good for you to serve and volunteer somewhere. But if you're a Jesus follower, and I'd say in particular, if you've been coming to Centerpoint for a minute and you're like, this is, this is my church, I really want to push, and we're, we're talking about this later, is I really want to push you to jump in and make a difference here. Because we're, we're doing our very best to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. 
And, and the reality is it takes all of us to, to create a church that's welcoming and accessible to all of us. Right? Like if everybody looked like me, sounded like me, had the same background, same demographics as me, people just like me would feel really welcome here. But the whole bunch of people that are not just like me. And we care for our community, and I would love to invite you in at the end of this message to, to make a difference through what we're doing here. Because I think, I think it is that big of a deal. Now, this, this pursuit of happiness, right? Like, for all of us trying to be the happiest and, and chase after us, like, it's nothing new. It's been happening for hundreds and even thousands of years. Even, like, the time when Jesus was alive, people were still trying to figure out, how can I be most happy? And you look through the scriptures, you see people constantly living lives and doing things to make them happier. And I would say, if, you're, if your view of the scriptures is like, well, the Bible, the scriptures, like, maybe you're brought up this way, maybe you just think this, of like, like, everybody in there is perfect, and like, it's just a story of all these awesome people, like, they're way up here, and everyone else is down here, like, honestly, you couldn't be further from the truth. Like, if you read through the scriptures, and you look, like, not with, like, your, like, inherited Sunday school glasses of, like, they're so great, and they're so awesome, like, if you really look at, like, like, the raw nature of humanity throughout the scriptures, you see a lot of people, and they're messed up. A lot of those people actually have similar stories to some of the things that you've walked through that you thought makes you off limits to God. Now I want to say, just real quick side note, is if, if you're returning to faith or you're turning to faith for the first time or you're like, you know, I grew up a childlike faith and now I'm an adult and I have some adult questions and my childlike faith doesn't really connect, I'd love to invite you to starting point. A starting point is something we do here all the time, uh, about every other month, and it's starting next week. Uh, we're going to have over here during the 11 o'clock service, uh, one of our staff members sitting down and talking with people, interacting and having a conversation about faith. We're not trying to convince anybody of anything. We're just trying to reestablish Jesus as a starting place for our faith. So if you want to come, we'd love to have you there. You can check out our app for some information on that. Um, because again, for so many of us, maybe you grew up in it, maybe you didn't, but you have some big questions. Again, like you look at scriptures and you're like, man, I don't connect with any of those people. But I think if you look at a lot of the people in scriptures, you go, man, they're trying to be happy, and I want to be happy too. And there's even this one story in particular um, where Jesus is with his followers, and he's telling them, uh, basically, like, hey, guys, they're in Jericho, the city of Jericho, and they're going to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus is telling them, hey, guys, when we get to Jerusalem, things are going to go sideways. Like, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to go be falsely accused. I'm going to be put on trial. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to die. I'm going to come back to life three days later, Okay. Which everyone's like, okay, cool, got it, Jesus. Yeah, because they didn't understand. And as Jesus is teaching them this, he's finished. He's like, okay, good. Take a break, do whatever. And then two of his closest followers and their mom comes up. And this is the way that Matthew kind of accounts this story of Jesus connecting with this mom and her two sons. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. This is James and John, right? Again, some of the earliest and closest followers of Jesus. Like they had been with him for years. Like Jesus had... Like, you, you may know, like, his 12, those call the 12 disciples. Like, these are, like, his 12 closest friends. And then even those 12, he had, like, three that were, like, his best friends. It's Peter, James, and John. So these guys, like, they knew Jesus. And they come to Jesus, and they, they kneel down, and they ask him a favor. Right? Like, if I, I'm Jesus, I'm like, okay. Do, like, I always feel like, do people always just go and kneel down to Jesus? They're like, a normal thing? Is that not? Because Jesus, like, if I'm Jesus, I'm looking like, okay, what, what do you want? Right, like, like I realized a couple weeks ago, I was calling a coworker, uh, Alicia. I work with here. I said, "Hey, Alicia." She goes, "What do you want?" I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "That's your I need something voice." I was like, "I didn't know I had it." He said, "Yeah, every time you talk like that, you need something." I'm like, "Oh, okay, good to know." Now every time I call him, I'm just gonna be like, "Hey, Alicia, I don't need anything. I just want to trick you, so you don't know when I need something." 
Right? But Jesus is there, and, and they come up, and they're kneeling. They have the right posture before him. And then he said, hey, Jesus, we just need a favor. We just need you to do something for us. And Jesus asked them, what is it you want? And the mom steps in, and she says, Jesus, could you grant for one of these two sons of mine, you know, James, John, like, you know these guys, they've been with you, they've done all sorts of stuff. Could you grant that one of them sit at your right hand and the other at the, your left in your kingdom? These like prominent places. Like, can they be like number two and number three in your kingdom? And I'm Jesus right now. I'm thinking like, did you not hear me at all? Like, did you forget the part I told you I was going to die? Like, did you just skip over that? And, and to be honest, like, they did just skip over that. I think if you, if you look through uh, so many of the teachings and the lie and the, the actions and the situations, like, I don't think they understood that there was a literal resurrection coming. I think they kept thinking, like, yeah, like, this is all figurative. Like, they, no, Jesus, you're establishing your kingdom and the way we've been told, the traditions we have, and that you're going to come in and you're going to overthrow all these people and the, the oppressor. And the, for us, that's Rome. That's not, you know, the sinful nature within us. It's always on the outside there, right? And, and they come in, they go, yeah, the crucifixion, that's a bummer. Sorry, but the leadership part, we'd love to be all about that. Like, how, how do we get some of that? Like, basically, Jesus, can we just call dibs on this? And for us, again, we, we know the whole story. If, you, if you've read the scriptures, you grew up in church, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Every Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. Like, it's part of, yeah, I, I flipped a couple pages ahead. They didn't have a couple pages to flip ahead. Which, to me, even, even points to the legitimacy of their claims of a resurrected Savior. Because if you look, like, none of them believed it was actually going to happen. They all thought it was going to be a figurative thing. They all thought, no, and even when Jesus gets arrested, they all ran away. Nobody is going, yeah, Jesus told us this is going to happen. Kill him. Three days he comes back. We had to rule everything. They all ran in terrified of the Roman government because their leader was dead. And he was the message. He was everything. So Jesus goes on to them. He says, guys, you, like, you don't know what you're asking. I'm like, like, you guys, like, can you drink of the cup that I'm about to drink? And they answer, we can't. Like, yeah, and this idea of this cup is it's an ancient Near East kind of metaphor that they would use a lot. And if you, again, you read through the scriptures or even like ancient literature, you see this, this metaphor of a cup. And basically it just means someone's fate. Like, I'm going to walk through this. Can you walk through this with me? And they instantly are like, yeah, of course we can. Which if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I really don't think you guys are getting this. But what it, what it is, I think, is, is that they were so focused on being happy now, not thinking about being happy later. They were trying to be happier and not happiest. And the reality is, when I focus only on being happy now, it's going to blind me to things that will make me unhappy later. Right? They just wanted to lead. They just wanted to do stuff. What did I say? Everyone loves to lead stuff until you have to do leader stuff. Right? Like, like everyone's like, yeah, I just want a position. I want, the, I want the notoriety. I want to sit in the throne. I want to be right with you, Jesus. And he's like, yeah, but... I don't think you really get it. And, and for so many of us, when we focus on being happy now, again, if we sat down and we were having coffee or whatever and, and just talked about, like, hey, have you ever been blind to things that make you unhappy later because you're trying to be happy now? A lot of us say, yeah. Again, you, the financial decision or the job you take is like, look at that salary and look at the environment I want to work in. It's great. They have all this weird stuff and all this unhealthy stuff. I don't really like that, but you know, don't worry about it. This is really good and you're blind to things that will make you unhappy later. Or maybe it's a relationship. Where you're like, yeah, like, they're awesome. I think they're great. And they're, like, they make me feel so good. And, like, all your friends are going, yeah, but, like, they, I don't know, they seem kind of toxic. Or, Do you see the way they treated that server? Did you see that? And, like, oh, don't worry about it. They're not like that with me. Like, yeah, you're kind of blind to some of these things that later is going to make you unhappy. It's going to be really difficult for you. And it's going to lead to regrets. So Jesus is looking at me. Like, Guys, can you, can you do what I'm about to do? And, like, yeah, of course we can. Jesus then replies, like, okay. 
Like, you, you're going to drink from this cup. Like, you indeed, you're going to go through what I'm going to go through. Like, this fate we're going to share. In, but to sit at my right and my left hand is not for me to decide. See, these places are for those of whom they've been prepared by my Father. Like, it's not up to me. And I think James and John, like, they get up and they're like, well, we, we tried. We even brought our mom. She thinks we're great. She really pitched it really well for us. And they walk back and they get with the other ten. And they're like, hey, what were you guys doing with Jesus? And then, like, in a completely shocking turn of events, Matthew records that the other ten hear about them, and they're indignant with the brothers. Like, I did not see that coming. Did you? Like, this is like a reality TV show where it's like, you kissed her and her and her, and now someone, like, you're confused why they're all upset with you? Right? Like, I don't, like, you're crying about the drama on a, I mean, again, on like a, a situation where, like, drama is what drives the whole thing. Like, like this is completely out of the character of people, Right? But the reality, I think, for so many of us is, like, I would be frustrated, too, wouldn't you? And I would be frustrated not because, like, well, we're just trying to serve people, and you guys are doing it. No, I'd be frustrated because, like, I wanted to call dibs first, right? Like, I, you, you want to run, you brought your mom, dude, grow up, right? Like, I can't believe, like, like you're doing this, and, and then this is where Jesus is looking at me. He's like, guys, you, I don't think you're getting this. Right, like, because even I'd say, like, I don't think these disciples, or these followers of Jesus, again, like, we, we have them in, I mean, churches and paintings where they all have their halos on, they're all, like, perfect, and they all, of course, have, like, fair skin and straight hair and look just like me, right? Like, if you've ever seen a person from Israel, like, they don't look like me. They don't look like the stained glass. They don't look like, but the reality is, we see them, we picture them, like, they're so perfect. The reality is, like, they didn't want to care for people. They wanted to lord authority over people. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be the boss, which is totally normal. Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy. So Jesus goes, okay, I need, to, I need to make this more clear for them. Like, you guys aren't getting this. James and John, I, I mean, I appreciate the hustle, but, like, that's not how we do things. And, like, you all over there, everyone's upset. Like, all my guys are upset now. Okay, so he brings them all close. He's like, guys, 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 come here. He said, hey, guys, you guys know how the rulers of the Gentiles lord the authority over them? Like, and their high officials exercise authority. Like, you guys know how that happens? And everyone right now is shaking their heads like, yes, we totally get that. Jesus, those guys are the worst. I hate those guys. And they're thinking about, like, legitimate people, like the Romans who are oppressing them in their cities and in their towns. Like, they're thinking, like, it's not like this metaphor, this idea, it's literally like, you could go to that dude's house. You could point him out. You could share stories. And he did this to me, and that happened to me. And, like, like you could talk through, like, you guys know how that is? And everyone's like, yes. And, and honestly, all of us, if we think about it, have you ever had a boss or an authority that was kind of a jerk? Right? It's really easy to see in them of, like, well, if I was in charge, I would do things differently. And they're this way, and they're that way. And can I tell you, this type of leadership, this version of leadership is effective. But only to produce action with people, Right? I like guess some of us, we've even seen this where well, maybe they, they, I mean, maybe not literally sometimes, maybe like they beat their chest and they get really loud, right? And you're going to back down because I'm the boss or I'm the dad or I'm the whatever. And then, or it's the other side where they're really quiet and they like really pull back and manipulate through silence and affection. And you don't get like, here's your reality. Leading in unhealthy ways is effective in action, but it's not effective in growing affection, right? So, so even for you, if you are in a place of leadership, for honest, I think the times that you regret things you've done in leadership, the times you've decided the wrong ways because you're focused on you and you're, you're focused on getting people to act and just do stuff. 
And Jesus is like, you guys, you, everybody knows what this is like. Everyone's been there. Everyone's done that. And your greatest regrets, I think, you know, for some of us is, is that you didn't care for the people you're supposed to lead very well. The good thing is you can decide to be different. And you can ask different questions. And you can get better decisions. And you can have fewer regrets through thinking differently. But Jesus pulls them in and he's like, guys, you guys get this. This is how it is really bad. It's messed up. Nobody likes it. Not so with you. Okay, like in my movement, like this is not how we're going to do this. Okay, like you guys have seen it. You guys are operating in that context as it's all you've ever known. I totally get it. But this stops now. We're not doing this anymore. And then he goes on and, and doubles down and says, instead, if you want to be great, because again, in their context, might made right, you know, survival the fittest. And I can just take and do things. And the most powerful people were always in charge because they were the most powerful. You say, no, instead, if you want to be great, you don't come and ask for a throne. You go serve somebody. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man, that's a title for Jesus. He says, just as a son, just as I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Like guys, like in my movement, things have to look differently. In my movement, my called out ones, my ecclesia, like the movement of Jesus, like you should love and lead differently because you have life and freedom in me. And you don't need to push and manipulate things to get what you want that will make you happy right now because I've given you something that will make you the happiest forever. You don't have to live it just about today. But the reality for so many of us is like we don't always see this though, right? Like, like to go outside the church for a second. Like you, you see maybe in your workplace or in your family dynamics or upbringings, you see people, no one is serving and loving people as a leader. Everyone's trying to be, get it for themselves. And, and I mean, honestly, call it selfishness, Right? Like everyone's just trying to get theirs, and, and we don't have clear pictures of this outside the church. The, the real tragedy is we don't have a whole lot of pictures of this inside the church either. And I, like, I think like for, for a time, like it was kind of under the radar, and then it became really apparent that like, like a lot of Christian leaders were not all about serving and loving the people. They were about building platforms and building um, whatever you want to call it, influence, however. And then, to be honest, like that always crumbles. And even the last few years, like, this is where even just, like, personally for me, like, I just had to, like, get off social media and do stuff. I'm just like, I don't know if I can really be nice and be on social media. I can be really snarky. And when I'm unhealthy in some of my things, like, I'll be snarky. I'll be a jerk. And I just need to, like, take a break. Also, I'd get stressed out and overwhelmed and anxious about it because I'm like, I feel responsible. Like, I should say something about everything. I can't say something about everything. So I'm just going to step back. I'm just out. But we had other Christian leaders who stepped in. Some who did a great job navigating some. It was really difficult. We also had some step in that, that they kind of made it apparent they were so worried and more, more concerned about saving America than about saving Americans. You know, like, like we're trying to win something. We're trying to defeat something. We're so afraid if we lose something. And, and like, okay, so what about losing influence with all the people who disagree with you that are never going to hear you talk about Jesus because of, you made this big point, and even here, this is, I say, like, you got to come back next week. you got to bring someone with you who doesn't like church next week, okay? Because we're going to be talking about big church, and we always tell you, bring, like, legitimately, bring people. We love having people. You don't have to believe what we believe. Bring them back, because here's the reality. 2,000 years ago, the movement of Jesus started, and when the church is aligned with the mission of Jesus, it is incredible in what it does with the community and in the lives that can be changed and transformed. But over the last couple of years, it's been apparent and it's been exposed that the church has gotten so misaligned with the message of Jesus and the mission of Jesus and there's so many people, maybe this is even your story, where you became disillusioned because you're like, I 
I read the scriptures and like how these people are acting, what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're living for does not line up. I'm saying like you know people who think that way and maybe you think that way. As you come back next week, from a big church where if we can get in line with Jesus, and get, it's easy to point to everybody else needs to get in line, but it's really hard for me to try to get aligned with Jesus. And see where Jesus doesn't tell you, in my movement, you gotta watch everybody else and make sure they're serving. He says, no, in my movement, you serve. You go first. You don't just simply sit there and have people do things for you and consume whatever they're doing. You contribute and you be part of what's happening because here's what I've seen time and time again I've seen it true in my life, I've seen it true of lives of other people, is when I simply consume, eventually I'm going to get bored and I'm going to move on. Like, almost no matter what it is, right? Like, like, the parents who are the loudest, obnoxious people are the ones who are not coaching the kids' team. You ever see that? The parents who are actually coaching the kids' team are like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to make a difference, I'm trying to contribute to help these, and it's not just about winning games, right? it's about it's helping kids navigate and learn character and all those things, that's what it should be about, right? But here's, yeah, some of you, you coaches are clapping right now, you're like, yeah, amen! But, but here, here's the reality, though, for so many of us, when we simply consume, we get bored and we move on. But when we contribute, which let me just say, that's also like a marriage thing, probably, if you're in a marriage right now and you're really trying to consume what your spouse is laying down, you're going to get bored and move on. you got to contribute, both of you, okay? That's for somebody, right? Here's your reality. When you contribute, though, you begin to make a difference. Things are different for you and you come alive. Put it this way, kind of, as we're talking about being selfish or selfless. When you're serving only yourself, it's going to make you happier. Right? When you only serve yourself, it will make you happier because you get what you want. But when you serve other people, I think it'll make you happiest because you're giving up your life for other people. See, and Jesus didn't simply teach us this. He, he showed us this. And so I love about Jesus. He says, if you want to be great, you go out and you serve. You serve anybody and everybody. Jesus served people who could never pay him back. Now, if Jesus was operating the way that everyone else operated in that context, he would have went out and he would have been serving the people and healing the people and doing all things for the richest, most influential people, Right? You think if, if Jesus was trying to have a platform and influence and win Jerusalem and do whatever, like, he healed all the wrong people. Because you look like, if I was Jesus, I would have walked around and been like, who's rich and influential and has a sick person? You? Okay. You're healed. And who else? Okay, now I got the, and you over there, you, I'm, gonna, I'm not doing mud because that's gross. No one wants to see mud. I'm just going to heal all the rich people, the influential people, the people that I can leverage when I make my run for Jerusalem, whatever. Like, like that's who Jesus would have healed if he was operating the way that we operate. This is where Jesus says, hey, guys, it's not about, it's not the influential, it's not about the wealthy, it's not about the whoever, it's not about building up myself, it's about laying down my life. And Jesus literally did this. You get so many people Jesus healed, they could never pay him back. And this is the thing. Jesus also healed rich people. Jesus also did things for wealthy people, influential people. It's so crazy. Jesus like puts this on clear display for his followers because as they're leaving Jericho, right? He's leaving Jericho. He sets his face towards Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. He knows, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get falsely accused. I'm going to go on trial. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be crucified. Like he knows everything that's waiting for him in Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem. It's a really important time in Jesus' life. Like can you imagine the weight of Jesus walking? Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Even scriptures talk about it. He says, I don't want to do this. Is there any other way to do this? And as he's walking out, this whole crowd's there, and these, there's these two blind guys outside of Jericho. And they hear that Jesus is coming. 
Did you hear Jesus? Yeah, I heard Jesus come. Yeah. They just start yelling, son of man, son of David, son of David. They're just yelling at the top of their lungs trying to get attention from Jesus. And everybody walking by is like, yo, shut up. Jesus is busy. Jesus is important. Jesus got more stuff to heal than some blind beggars over here. You can't do anything for Jesus. Just leave this aside. And Jesus stops everybody and is like, okay, hold up. And he walks over to them. And I love Jesus. He asks questions. He's like, hey, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? I think like it's not like context, but I think these guys are like, seriously, dude? Like we're blind. And Jesus heals them. And they come and they follow him. And people who could never pay Jesus back were the people who Jesus was constantly concerned with serving and laying down his life for. People like these blind beggars, people like me, people like you. And as we follow Jesus. It is our responsibility, it is our duty to act like Jesus acted. This is the, the big difference between simply believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Believing in Jesus, like you trust Jesus, that's great. But I can believe in a healthy diet and not follow a healthy diet and it never changes my life. And I think for, for some of us, and this is a very nuanced, difficult thing, I wish we could like sit down and talk through this a lot more. But for some of us, I think we're really in line with like believing in Jesus, but we're not in line with following Jesus. And we then we begin to question why Jesus has never changed in our life. So you, gotta, you have to follow. That's what Jesus called people after. He didn't say, hey, believe in me. He said, hey, come follow me. Following Jesus means we do what Jesus did. See, here in our context, in our community, we are trying to make an alternative to church as usual for all people. Where every kind of person imaginable can come in and be welcome and see that they are valued because God values them. You may not know this, but we get emails regularly of people asking the question, hey, I heard about your church, I'm fill in the blank. <laughs> Am I welcome there? Can I tell you, like, that breaks my heart. Partially because I've never asked that of, of a single church I've ever walked into. I've always known I'm gonna be welcome because I fit the stereotype for a lot of things. And like, yeah, you're young and you got kids and we're so happy you're here. But so many people come in our gathering, they have that question, that tension, and people not here yet. Maybe even you're watching online. And you're like, am I really, like I see on your website here, but like, is it really true? And he's really like, it can be true when all of us work together to make that a reality. I said earlier, it takes all of us to create a church that's for all of us. Like, I mean that. And there are people that are similar to you that would love it to see you serving and making a difference and go, this church really is for me. I told you to begin, I wanna, I wanna push you to, to jump in to make a difference on one of our teams. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you totally get a pass on any of this, right? Like you don't have to do any of it. But I would say it's like, if you're not a Jesus follower, you still should volunteer because I can like, I mean, University of Chicago, United Kingdom, like, like it's better for you to serve people and to volunteer. But if you're a Jesus follower, I think you have the responsibility to do it. And, and even in the context of the local church, this is how I, I view the local churches. This is the best place for me to invite people who don't know Jesus to come and experience Jesus. But I can't do that alone. And, and there are people that you know that I would never have an impact in their life outside of serving and being part of the local church. And I would love for you to join one of our teams here in our local church to reach our community. 
Now, really specifically, uh, we're looking to fill several spots. We have uh, CC Kids. It's our children's ministry. It's happening Sunday mornings. They're looking to fill 12 spots. Now, this is things like small group leader. We're like, you don't have to teach everything. You don't have to do. You don't have to entertain the kids for an hour. Like we have all different people doing all sorts of things. Can you build relationships with kids and follow some instructions to to be able to build into relationships and show them love and listen, ask them questions, do an activity? Like we need 12 people. We also need people with CC Kids. So we need small group leaders, we need welcome team people. So even if you're like, I don't really love kids, but I like kids. Right, this, this was me when I was serving and overseeing kids ministry. It's like, I don't want to be a small group leader, but I'll give every kid 30 seconds of encouragement. Like, oh, I love your shoes. Your dress is so cool. High five. Like, that's welcome team. You can totally do that. I see, see students meet on Wednesday nights, and they're looking for six more people to join their team. Again, this is small group leaders. Like, sitting out with middle school and high school students, building relationships with them, connecting with them. They're also looking for some welcome team people, looking for a security or safety team, which again, like if you're like, I love students, but like I don't always feel like they love me, which like everyone feels like that, right? Like can you show up on Wednesday nights and keep the environment safe for them? It'd be huge. Our guest services, this is everything from parking team to our ushers and greeters and cafe and safe. I mean, so many teams that happen on Sunday morning. We need 15 people. And again, there's all different spots. And would you be part of creating a church that shouts from the moment you come on campus that we love you and we're for you. That's where I guess services gets to do. Our production team, and this is stuff like, uh, it's so funny, people are always like, I thought you had to be like professionals and know how to do stuff. Like, this is like running lights and the slides and the cameras and the online stuff. Like, like watch this, right? If I, if I go, can you go back one side, Casey? Go back and then go this way with the other one, and then go back this one, and go this one, and go back this one. Y'all, give it up for Casey. This is her first time. First time doing slides with our production team, all right? Now, generally, we don't have you go back and forth and back and forth, right? But it's stuff like that where you can totally make a different thing. Like, I don't know anything about that. Don't worry. We'd love to train you. It's also a great spot if you have a student. Love to have them join this team. All sorts of things are incredible. We'll train them. Uh, so many of our lights that we have done. Colin, he's a, a senior at Newsom High, and he programs so many of our lights, which is incredible. Uh, you can cheer about a high school student and make a big difference. That's okay. Here's the reality is you get to make a difference. Our communications team, this is like a, a sneaky team, right? No one ever thinks about them because you don't always see them, but these are the people who, um, they go around, they'll take pictures. So if you have a background photography or videography, they take pictures, they record stuff. They're online service hosts. Like that's a great thing we have. If you're part of a digital campus, like this is a great spot for you to jump in and to serve and be a host for people online, helping them move from simply watching a screen to being part of an experience. Right? There's other like social media things, all sorts of things. Like this is a great spot for you to, be able to plug in. You need about 12 people. There's a lot of different things, things you may not even think about. Right? A couple years ago, I was talking with a student. I said, Hey, uh, would you want to come over with kids? And she goes, I do not like kids. It's totally fine. I said, uh, Do you like Instagram? She said, Yeah. I said, Well, we need someone to take pictures and videos of our kids' ministry on Sunday so we can post it on Instagram to show more people what our church and our kids' experience is like. Could you do that? She's like, Yeah, sure. She starts serving the church every other week, coming in, just taking pictures, doing something that she enjoys and helping her, helping her give up her life and make a difference in our community. So these are the needs, and practically, this is, this is what I would love for you to do. I'd love for you to, to take a minute, and there's a card in front of you somewhere where it says, I'm stepping up, or make a difference, the blue card. And I'd love for you to fill that out and check boxes and say, I want to try this team or that team. Or I had a guy this last service who's like, I really can go wherever you need, right? We're not supposed to have favorites, but you are probably my favorite. <laughs> we say, hey, like, 
I would love for, and this is the reality, you see all these spots, you're like, oh, all these spots. I have no stress or anxiety that we're going to fill these spots. So this is not like a desperation, like, please, we've got to cancel kids' ministry. If you don't do kids, like, that's not it at all, because we're going to find people that want to make a difference in kids' ministry. Like, God's been faithful. He's provided. We've never canceled church because we didn't have volunteers. Actually, our church doesn't even have volunteers. We call them bridge builders, because this is the reality. When you serve and you make a difference, you are building a bridge for somebody connecting with Jesus. And you're able to make a huge difference in their life. And you're able to tell better stories. See, because life is not just about having fewer regrets. It's about having better stories. And you get to tell some stories of like, yeah, I started with kids ministry. I sit down with fourth graders and we're talking about whatever. And then after a while of like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know if they like me. I'm not even sure. Like at some point you go, man, like this kid opened up about this thing, the dynamic between him and his sibling at home. And like, that was huge. And then I went over here and that thing was like, I made a difference. These kids' lives are different. Or, or we had this a couple years ago, you have people getting baptized and like they have their small group leader baptize them because they're like, this person's been so impactful in my life. Or you get to serve with guest services and you realize for the first time, people are terrified to come into church for any number of reasons. You have to be part of welcoming people and say hello to people and showing value to people. And then you hear stories and you go, I had no idea simply holding a door would be part of that person's story. But it's one of the things that helps people turn to Jesus and change their lives. You go out on social media and you're helping with communications. You're moving people from simply watching a screen to be part of an experience you're able to connect with them. You realize people on the digital campus, they want to have connection and community. You're able to offer that for them. Or you're, you're running lights or cameras or, or whatever with our production team. You go, this is so much bigger than me. And I didn't think about it. Like, wow, like we're able to reach people and make an impact. Or this is one of my favorite stories. I saw this about two years ago out here in our lobby. It's Wednesday night and a bunch of small, a bunch of small group, like middle school boys were meeting there and they just lost their friend tragically and they're like all sad and broken up which like you would be I would be and their small group leader who'd been investing in their lives there week after week for months is able to stand with them and say hey guys I've actually lost a friend tragically too I'm so sorry it happened it's difficult and man if you guys ever need something let me know I'm here for you guys and those are the kinds of stories you get to tell when you decide to give your life away because no one is going to force you to do this but you can decide do I want to be happier and live for myself or do I want to be the happiest and live for other people and give my life away so if you could if you would fill out that card we're going to talk about it more we'd love to help you and we'll follow up with you this week you get to go in and shadow people you get to go see stuff like we're not just going to throw you in the deep end of the pool like we help you every step of the way but we'd love to have you join a team and make a difference because it takes all of us to create a church that's for all of us would you, all, would you bow your heads and let's pray together? God, thank you uh, for what you're doing God, in our gathering. God, thank you for the hundreds of people who decide to give up their lives every week here. God, to, to serve people. God, to be a bridge builder and, and making you accessible to people. And God, I pray for people who are here and, and they're, they're nervous. They don't know if they measure up, but they're ready for it. God, I pray you give them courage. And God, that they could take a step and really begin serving you and see that they were made for this. And God, I also pray uh, for people, God, people uh, who've been serving or who are taking a break and they're tired. God, I pray that you would give them strength and you would help all of us see that it is better to serve than to be served. God, thank you for this gathering. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.